I'm Sonia. I'm Sapna. And this is Loudmouth Lurkies. Continuing upon the theme of mental health this season, we decided to spend this week's episode talking about therapy. Last season, we talked about the stigmatization of medication in our South Asian American community, and earlier this season, we brought up the idea of dealing with our mental health in college. So we decided that talking about therapy is a very tangible way of understanding how we can move forward with improving our mental health. Absolutely. And so when it comes to our experience, I have personally been going to therapy consistently for almost five years now. And I really do attribute a lot of my growth and healing to good therapy. Um, I want to say it was the first time and place where someone told me that my feelings were valid. And that really did mark the beginning of my journey towards healing and getting to the place where I am today. Yeah. And interestingly enough, for me, I was really excited to record this episode because I had never gone to therapy, but it over the last few months, it has been something that I've thought about going to over and over again, and actually it was one of my New Year's resolutions to really just take that first step, make that first appointment, and do something good for myself. And so the reason as to why I hadn't reached out uh, is at UCLA, I knew that it's hard to make an appointment with uh, the, they call it CAPS at our school, so it's like, I believe, counseling and psychological services, something like that. Um, I know there was an issue with insurance because I don't have insurance through the UC, um, and then there's many different ways that you can reach out, so I think I was very overwhelmed, and that's why I kind of ended up just not doing anything. And I realized that there's a lot of cognitive dissonance here because I know therapy is very important and it's very valuable, but I kind of in the busyness of everything and being so overwhelmed with it, I never carved out time uh, to actually make that first move. And I always told myself, you know, like it's a midterm week, I can do it next week or I can push it off until later. And then it ends up being impossible to actually have that first step because there's never really a f- right time to start therapy. So you should just do it when you first realize that you need it. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting because, you know, Sapna and I have had this conversation before when she first started thinking about it. And as someone who's been in therapy for so long, it's something I, I'm a huge proponent for. Um, I think therapy is so, so, so important. It's one of my top, top recommendations for people and um, partly because I've seen you know the growth I've achieved through it and partly because that is my goal like that's the field I want to work in I want to become a psychotherapist um, and it's really interesting to see how other people have engaged in therapy and experiences they've had in therapy because a lot of my friends who have engaged in therapy have only been able to do so through a school setting, mm-hmm. right? And not just college, but in high school where you deal with the school counselor, like a high school counselor. Um, and those always, those haven't always been the best experiences, not for me nor for my friends. Um, but 
the reason I recommend it to so many people and the reason I'm so passionate about it is um, because I think it's very important to have a professional, non-judgmental third party to talk about when you're going through issues. Um, It's a safe and unbiased space. Yeah. I think another thing that I usually talk about to people when I'm talking about the idea of therapy is, and I I brought it up with my family too, and they were kind of like, you know, what what catalyzed this? Mm -hmm. How did you know you want to start therapy? Or or when is the right person, when is the right time for someone to reach out? Um, At least for me personally, over these last few months, I came to a realization that I needed to reach out when there were issues that I was talking about with my friends and my family. And the number one thing that they would always say is like, calm down or relax, it'll get better and and things like that. But you know, have good intentions. Oh, yeah. A lot of these things have good intentions, but they don't really solve. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Telling me to calm down isn't going to fix my anxiety. Yeah. And I realized that so many times like calm down relax just wasn't doing much for me and so I realized that I needed to talk to someone who is a a professional in this field who knows what they're doing who has seen many many cases like mine and are able to offer me tangible and like you said unbiased uh ways that I can move forward and also just really hold me accountable and they don't have to feel like they have to sugarcoat anything and just like tell me I just want to know what I should do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think another thing that's important to recognize is that you don't have to go through a traumatic experience to be, to be able to go to therapy. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting because, you know, personally, I have been through many traumatic experiences and that kind of led me to go to therapy, but you don't, Again, there's no specific quota or threshold you have to reach in order to be eligible to receive therapy. Your feelings are valid. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing, that you don't have to look or act or be a certain way to go to therapy. And I think those, if we all understand that, I think that will help combat some of the stigma that therapy has. Yeah. And so I was introduced into therapy, um... I was actually forced to go to therapy. I was 14. I, The first time I was told I needed to go to therapy, I thought I was crazy. I genuinely did not think anything was wrong with me. At this point, it, I had spent about, I want to say, let's say like three years being severely depressed and suicidal. And I really did need therapy. I really did need to go and talk to someone. Um, and... It was when I continued to receive bad treatment that I realized something needed to change. Um, It's unfortunate. I've had a lot of friends who their first experiences with therapy have been bad experiences similar to mine. Yeah. Um, And it's very unfortunate because standardized therapy in a, in a, like a, a standardized established mental health institution is really such a key thing to growth and to the betterment of mental health. We hope you're enjoying this week's episode of Loudmouth Marquis. We wanted to take a second to talk to you about one of our amazing sponsors, The Gutter Box. A seasonal subscription box filled with all kinds of products handpicked especially for South Asian American women. 
They ensure that their subscribers are getting ethnically made and environmentally friendly goods that are curated to uplift the South Asian American woman while honoring South Asian traditions. And to top it off, they only work with women-owned and minority-owned companies. We're so excited to partner with the Box this season, and we hope you'll check them out. So what would you say are some of the steps uh, to seeking therapy? Like what, as, as I am right now, like I, I've tried to make the first steps, but I haven't really committed to anything. What would you say to me? Absolutely. So if you are a college student, a um, couple things. All schools will have counseling centers. Certain schools have free or subsidized counseling services for students. Um that being said, not all services are free for students, but counseling centers at schools and schools in general are required to provide students with access to resources. So I think the first step is really acknowledging and understanding what resources are available to you as a student or in whatever position you're in. From there on, um, I think recognizing, especially at schools like UCLA, that the number of staff on campus, especially the number of staff in a counseling center, is not proportionate <laughs> to the number of people seeking therapy. Definitely. So I go to a small school compared to you, and I still went into the counseling center. And so one of the things that I, I have recommended to friends in the past is, you know, yes, there are not going to be that many like counselors available for you, but go in for that initial consultation, that first meeting, because... From there, you can get references and refer well, you can get referrals to therapists outside of the college, still within your community, that specifically take your insurance. And I think that's a big thing for students. You know, not it's not always free. Yeah. We we don't always have control over our insurance. We don't always, you know, we can't afford to pay large co-pays up front. Yeah. So um, that was a big thing. I went in, I asked, you know, I had the initial consultation. I had kind of preferred and I had kind of assumed that I was going to go and get therapy at school. But um, I realized like my needs did not fit what the school could provide me. Sure. I required a lot longer term treatment and I needed to see someone a lot more regularly. And so they gave me a list of referrals and now my therapist is about... 15 minutes walking distance from my apartment. Huh. Yeah, no, I think it's really interesting because I was just the other day because I was trying to make an appointment for myself because that is a New Year's resolution for me. But uh, I saw online, like, even the people who have UC insurance, I think it's, like, three meetings a quarter. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's difficult because especially at a UC system where it's, like, they can't – they don't have enough people yeah. to meet the requirements. And – it's important to recognize that school counseling centers are not established mental health institutions. Yeah. These places are spaces of refuge, yes, but they are meant to be there in a very temporary situation. Yeah. These therapists are there for um, occasional... Uh, like big... Yeah. Occasional sessions. Yeah. Like... They're they're very they're meant to be very temporary. That is the purpose of them. And yeah. I think what students don't realize, and which is completely understandable if you have no experience with the field, is that when you go into these places, if you are 
if you do realize that you need more treatment or you do realize that you want something more consistent, it is completely okay and important for you to go into that initial consultation or even just go and ask, hey, this is my insurance. I know that you guys can't provide me with the level of care that I need or, you know, the type of care I need in terms of like how often I see you. Yeah. So this is my insurance. Can you please give me a list of psychologists or therapists in the area that will take my insurance? Yeah. And they recognize when they have all the referrals. Yeah. They're, they work with these people. They know who exists in the area. Two, they also understand that like being a student this is the first time you're probably in charge of your own insurance yeah. and your own health. Yeah. It's a lot. They are there to help you utilize those resources. Sure. What would you say for people uh, who maybe aren't in a college with these services or aren't in college? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I've noticed that people do is they will, you know, Google therapists near me. And it's a very tedious process, um, but you can do that. You can look that up, that specific phrase. Um, but also call your insurance provider and mm. then ask them what offices, like Take. which providers, which therapists they recommend. Okay, yeah. Right? Because like instead of calling a therapist and then asking them if they take your insurance, just call the insurance people themselves. They could tell them to give you a list of people within that radius of, you know, that they already take. Sure. And then I think another important thing, this is with all like big changes or big, you know, resolutions. I think try to get people in your community who you trust, uh, who value your mental health as well. Get someone to hold you accountable. You know, put it on your, at least for me, I'm someone who has my entire life planned out on my Google calendar. So even for for next week, uh, I put it in my calendar. Like go go to CAPS, like talk to someone uh, and just putting it there and literally carving out time in your schedule to go and take care of your mental health is very, very important. And so, I think, so important. Like yeah. that's how you end up making that first step, which no, is my definitely. next thing on my radar. Yeah, no, and I'm so proud of you. It's one of those things that, it's a journey. It really is a journey. I think it's important to recognize that as important as therapy is, it's not a fix-all thing, no. nor will everything be fixed the second you go to your appointment. Yeah, because at the same time, it's like it. part of me wants the, that first meeting to go really well. Like I go there and like everything's cured, you know, I'm, I'm fixed. But I, I know that's completely unrealistic and just from speaking with other people – I know there have been bad experiences too, like you've said, you know, just people who don't really understand you or, or make judgments or, or say things they're not supposed to say. Um, so what would you say are some of those like kind of red flags that you might have seen before or yeah. things to watch out for? I think one of the most important things is to really listen to yourself and recognize that if you're not feeling comfortable in a situation there's a reason that you're feeling that way mm-hmm. um, and really honor that that gut feeling that you're getting. Mm-hmm. Um, so cultural competency is a huge thing that I've learned about while, you know, studying psychology and, you know, working in places where therapy is administered. Um, and that's where the therapist or the care provider is aware of the cultural differences between them and their patient or client and how that can impact the type of care that they are giving and the type of care that the client will receive. 
right? Yeah. So in South Asian communities, one thing that's really big is that a lot of the things we do, we do in order to make our parents proud. Or we... Basically, a lot of the things that we do, it's a very collectivist nature. Yeah. Right? And so totally. family is a very central part to a lot of the, the things that we do. Sure. And for me, as a South Asian individual going and receiving therapy, and if I'm getting it from, let's say, a cis white male, that it's a little bit of a, like a communication gap, right? Yeah. And it's like they don't really understand why I place so much emphasis on what my mom says and why do I don't just do something? Yeah. And so one thing that I really learned with my last therapist that made things so much better was we had a conversation about the biases we both held and the places that we came from and the difference in those things and what I thought was important and what I didn't think he understood, right? And so once we had that conversation, it became a lot easier obviously it's not the job of the client but it is important to know that you can have those conversations with yeah. the therapist and a good therapist will w- welcome those conversations and even initiate them. and like be really candid about you know maybe I don't understand exactly where you come from but this is as like an outsider perspective this is what I can say yeah I think absolutely. that's really important no totally. definitely and I think there are definitely um organizations out there for South Asian American. Yes. Manmukti, Dil to Dil, these are all amazing mental health organizations um, that are specifically focused on, you know, the South Asian community. But something I've also noticed is that, you know, I've had my last three therapists have been cis, straight, white males, and I have had, have grown so much with their therapy. And it really just does come down to, you know, can the therapist build, help build a safe environment for you and are they really there and listening to you? Yeah, so I think just the same way that your therapist shouldn't judge you, you shouldn't go into a room and feel like you won't connect with your therapist if they don't look the same way as you. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing to, to remember uh, if you are someone seeking therapy or not even just in therapy but any field really, uh, just to trust the, the person that you're with and then if you're feeling any red flags to take action on that immediately. Yeah. Um, how would you say that therapy has been looked at uh, when you bring it up in conversation with family members in your community? Uh, how do people treat it? Yeah, so I was talking to my mom about this, and my mom was the reason I started going to therapy, the reason I continued to go to therapy, because she took me um, – and was very committed to making sure I I followed through on this. And we were talking about it, and she's like, you know, I'm not ashamed that you go to therapy, and it is, like, I'm very proud that you do it, and I'm glad that you're you're growing so much. And she's the one that, you know, calls and checks in on me about, like, did you go to therapy this week? Like, how was it? Did you make your next appointment? All of that. Um, But she says, like, there are places that I will talk about it and there are places that I will not because yeah. it's still so stigmatized. Yeah, because it's like, oh, uh, someone says they're going to physical therapy and you're like, ah, okay, they got hurt. Like, that's okay, cool, whatever. But then when someone says they're going to, like, psychotherapy appointment or whatever, everyone's like, oh, like, what does that mean? Like, yeah, what traumatic thing happened to them or, or something like that? And that goes back to the stigma when we say, like, oh, therapy isn't for this person. The person who goes to therapy looks like this you know like that's 
the sort of stigma that perpetuates. And to be quite honest, therapy is one of those places that you go and you speak and you get to not be judged. And it is a place to work out problems that you're having. And that is really the most simple way I can explain it. It's There's more to it, but that's the most simple way I can explain it. And there are times where I'm probably one of the most open people I know about my mental health and about the experiences I've been to, if not to a fault. And there are still times where I just say, oh, I'm going to an appointment. If someone pushes me, I'll say, yeah, I'm going to therapy. But there are times where I like, I recognize, I'm like, okay. It's not worth it. It's not, it's just, it's just not worth the time (laughs) and energy for me to have this conversation. Yeah. Um, and that's the, that's another thing. You don't have to tell people you're going to therapy. It's a very private and intimate, um, thing, but you shouldn't feel that the reason that they're like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't think that because not everyone talks about it, not everyone is going. Yeah. I think that's something really important to, to mention. And thank you for sharing that. So for everyone who's listening, 2020, if you have felt over the last few months, like me, uh, that you want to reach out and seek therapy, please do it. Make that a New Year's resolution for yourself. Carve out some time. Put it in your Google Calendar. Whatever helps you stay encouraged and motivated and held accountable, do that because it'll help you out um, and you will definitely reap the benefits. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Loudmouth Like Peace. You can catch us next week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. A huge shout-out to CHK Designs, DJ Nubia, and The Gutter Box. Rate and subscribe to our podcast, follow us on social media at loudnotthirdkeys, and shoot us an email. We'd love to hear your thoughts, and we'll see you next week.